Amen. Amen. No, really brilliant, brilliant job there, Dave. It's a lot. Gathering once a month, there's a lot that happens. And I'm loving the way God's strengthening our family um, in this time. It's beautiful what the Lord is doing. Um, Holy Spirit, we love you. We're so thankful to be together every month. We're, th- we're glad that we can be in a nation currently that we're allowed to worship you freely and just give you our affections and celebrate and yell and sit quietly all together. And we welcome you, Jesus. Would you give us eyes to see your kingdom? Open our ears to hear the voice of the king. Open our hearts to receive the beautiful seed. We welcome you. All of 2022, for those who don't know, I'm Adam. I'm one of the leaders here, um, pastors, and it's an honor to serve this church. And we're taking 2022 to unfold the kingdom of God. Will we get to the end of it? Absolutely not. That would take forever. Um, But we are diving in. We feel like the Lord has just opened our hearts, say, to this message of the kingdom of God. It was Jesus's favorite message. It's probably about and least understood message in the scriptures. And so we're wanting to unfold it. And uh, I love this image uh, Julie's created here, which is the beauty bursting out of the place of suffering and loss. It, It says so much about what the kingdom of God is. And obviously that man who wore that crown is the one who is the king of our kingdom. And so I want to start with just a review. Um, Because we meet once a month, I went way overboard last time I taught. I did four messages in one. Everyone was throwing up. Uh, You know, it was was too much. Cheerston was very nice. She said, I listened to it a couple times, and I finally got, you know, what you were saying. Just, just give me grace. It's like, I love the kingdom of God. I got one shot a month, you know? And so we trust God. But for those who weren't here, we'll go back through just a summary of the kingdom of God. So we're laying a foundation of understanding that we can build our lives upon, okay? So summary here of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, is the good news of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's a solid definition of the kingdom of God. The good news of God's reign and rule on earth as it is in heaven. It's what creation looks like when God gets his desire. What would every thought, every decision, every inner motivation look like if Jesus was the king of it? What would all the nations and the peoples look like if Jesus was in charge? Oh, the earth would rejoice. Peace would reign. Right relationship would be our reality. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom involves three elements. A king, God's rule, and the people who are ruled over. Those are the three main elements of a kingdom. We don't much understand kingdoms anymore, so maybe it would help you to say Jesus's nation, a Jesus nation. What would a Jesus nation of all the peoples and tribes who live in his way look like? It would be the kingdom of God. Well, because God is a father and Jesus is a king, the kingdom is all about love. I love this. The kingdom of God always reflects the humble, sacrificial, self-giving love of Jesus, especially as it is displayed in his self-sacrificial death. The kingdom is from a father, and Jesus is the king, so it is humble, and it is self-giving love. People enter the kingdom through trust and surrender of their lives to the king the lordship of Jesus. They're born again. We're all born into sin, but then we're born again into the family of God, a new family that lives a totally different way. We now live by the Holy Spirit to put the character of the king on display. This is the kingdom of God. Simply put, Jesus is Lord. Let's say it together. Jesus is Lord. Now you all know the gospel. That's it. Jesus is Lord. And the reality when Jesus is Lord, this is exciting. He's renewing 
all things. That's incredible. This is the kingdom of God. Jesus is Lord. He's renewing all things. It includes a rescue from all of our enemies, sin, death, and the devil we could not get free from. A rescue. He brought us home, but then he doesn't stop there. He begins to restore us and everything else in what is called a new creation. The kingdom is now. Everyone say the kingdom is now. But it is not yet. The kingdom is not yet. Right. So we are, the new creation has begun. Healing, miracles, celebration of the lost and alone, the raising of the dead, signs breaking in from another age into this age, put on display. The kingdom is at hand. You can grab it right now. But the new creation will not be complete. So we wait for a king who's coming again. And there will be no more tears or suffering or pain or damage or me not treating my kids lovingly like I want to. There will be none of that left. The new creation will be fully complete. And in between the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet, there is great tension and even a war. And it requires a word that we're going to spend our whole day on, the patient endurance. So this message is called The Kingdom and Patient Endurance. It's how you live in the tension between the kingdom now and the kingdom which is going to fully come. It's a war. Now, quickly back through the last seed, which we described as the kingdom, is completely dependent on the receptive condition of the soil. There's a seed that is the kingdom of God, but the seed needs soil. All of the beauty and glory and potential of the seed lays dormant unless it finds a place, a home, to spring forth in life. What humility that God in his kingdom, power, and glory, his seed, needs your heart to bring it forth. There's seed and there's soil. It all starts with hearts. And we describe the first three soils and the deceiver. We'll look at these soils really quickly. The deceiver tries to steal the seed that's on the road, scorch the seed that is in the rocky soil with pressure and persecution, and strangle the seed that is in thorny soil with the pleasures of the world. Here's the enemy. He's either trying to steal, he's trying to put so a noble and good heart who hears the word and retains it, and here's the key word, by patient endurance produces a crop. By patient endurance produces a crop. It's a heart ready to receive the seed and patiently endure. Now, I have to admit that patient endurance is not at the top of my excitement list. It is not a very sexy nor exciting message whatsoever. I'm like, really, Jesus? That's the fourth soil. Patient endurance. I'm not excited at all about it, but it seems like Jesus is incredibly excited about this. So it would be worth pressing into a little more deeply. The second soil was just that. It was enthusiasm, excitement. Everybody loves exciting purpose, but I'm not sure about patient endurance. But patient endurance is the soil by which Jesus says is the only soil in which you can mature by his kingdom in the world. When I hear patient endurance, I think of trudging life, barely trying to survive. That is not an exciting message. But Jesus says it's exactly the opposite. It's the soil in which we thrive and multiply and mature the kingdom of God. And so we want to look at this fourth soil. Now, I got to this word, not firstly through the soils, but in the novel Bible reading at the end of last year, we were in Revelation. It's an intense book to be in at Christmas time when you just want to be happy and listen to Christmas music. But it was reading through this book, your brother and partner in the suffering 
and kingdom and patient endurance in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. These three words, suffering, kingdom, and another word for suffering is pressure. Pressure, kingdom, and patient endurance. These three words frame the rest of Revelation, but they also very clearly frame all of church history. These words, pressure, great pressure, the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God, and a patient endurance. Now, the context of Revelation is the end of the first century under tyrannical rule of most people, Emperor Nero. There's much suffering. The wicked are prospering. It looks like evil's winning. Christians are struggling and dying in some cases. And then John has an encounter with a man that makes him fall as though dead. Who happens to be the guy who used to lay his head on his chest. And now he's glory Jesus, his friend. And then Jesus, this man who's glowing, begins to share his heart for these small home churches, these churches in the Roman Empire. And Jesus takes this word up more than any other word that I can tell, patient endurance, when he decides to celebrate and commend these little churches in the empire. Times, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I mean, what would it be like if Jesus shows up to your home church? What would his progress report be next Sunday? Just that Jesus intimately knows these weak, struggling little churches dotted throughout a massive empire of power. And Jesus comes and he goes, I know your patient endurance. I see it. He says it again to the church of Ephesus. I know you are enduring patiently. You're bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And then against to the church of Thyatira, Revelation 2.19, I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance. And lastly, again to the church in Philadelphia, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to those who dwell on the earth. Jesus, with all that he could praise, with all that he could celebrate, with all that he could mend, looks at these weak churches and he says, I see you. I see that you're patiently enduring. Jesus loves this. There's something about it that moves his heart. In his glory, he wants to talk about people who patiently endure. It doesn't sound very exciting. It's not the coolest new conference. Can you imagine the theme of the conference? 20,000 gathered, patient endurance. But Jesus in his glory goes, this is what's on my heart. This is what's on my mind. And the anthem rises in Revelation until you hear the anthem in two places, Revelation 13.10 and 14.12. Now listen to these words. Here is a call for the patient endurance of the saints. And again, here is a call for the patient endurance of the saints. You can feel the anthem rising up in the heart of Jesus. Here is a call. Can you hear the call? Here is a call for the patient endurance of the saints. Now, if Jesus celebrated it in the early church and called for it in the church and says it's the only soil which can bring forth a multiplication and maturity of the kingdom, I'm like, let's dig deeper. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing, obsessively so. I'm a little crazy at this point. Okay, are you ready to dive into patient endurance with me? Because when you do, you are touching something so sacred in the heart of your king. We're going to dive into the heart of Jesus. Now, I want to go to the word patient endurance. It's two Greek words, okay? For those of you who don't like Greek, it's okay. Just, you know, read the things under it. 
Hupamane is the first one. I had to listen to that over and over to say it. And it means the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Patience, enduring. You don't have to repeat it. Number one, to stay in a place beyond an expected point of time. Stay behind. Others go away. We remain. Number two, to maintain a belief or course of action in the face of opposition, to stand one's ground, to hold out, to endure, to remain instead of fleeing. And number three, to wait for, for with persistence to. Now, this combines the ideas of endurance, patient waiting, and courage. It's translated various ways. In your Bible, you're going to read perseverance or steadfastness or endurance. My favorite translation, hence what you're going to hear. You may re remember nothing from this sermon, but you will remember patient endurance. That's my favorite. It's the title of this message. It's my favorite way that this is trans. Trust that is tested. It is love that is loyal through fire. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, love is what? Patient. Love endures all things. In other words, patience is one bookend of love, and endurance is the other bookend. And within patient endurance is the very beating heart of God's love. Patient endurance. Now let's just boil this down. I love the way Eugene Peterson says it in his famous quip, which became a book, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. Patient endurance. Now let's just make this definition as plain as we can, okay? Continuing to love and trust God through it all to the end. Continuing to love and trust God through it all to the end. Through it all, that's it. All of it. All the stuff. All of it. Don't give up. As my dear friend Portia Seals said or died chick. It's ride or die. That is patient endurance. I'm going to ride with you, Jesus, to the end or die trying. And most of them did. Okay. Now, what is the significance of the patient endurance in the scriptures? Number one, Romans 15.5. God is called the God of patient endurance. Himself. By this slow beautiful, resilient work of love. The God of patient endurance. James 5 goes deeper and reveals the significance of this word in the scriptures and says, James 5.11, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You've heard of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. James broadens it, and he goes, just look through the God story. Think of Abraham and his 25 years of waiting, Isaac and his 20 years of waiting on another child. Think of Jacob and all of the craziness that happened to him, and finally he got to see his son again. Think of Joseph, right, traveling from the pit into the prison, into the palace, and his whole journey of saying, everything that happened to me, God has turned for the good. And then think of 400 years of slavery for the Israelites. Patiently enduring, knowing that God had promised them a land. Whoa, not so quick. It should take only a couple years. Now 40 years in the wilderness, patiently enduring. Job, Jeremiah, never anyone listening to the guy and he patiently endures with God. This is significant in the scriptures. It's magnificent. We haven't even got to the New Testament. The apostles of the New Testament writers all almost 
terms together, the, those two words I mentioned are mentioned 49 times in the New Testament in 46 different verses. Paul, Peter, John, James, Timothy, Titus, and the writer of Hebrews, who I think was a woman. That's another sermon, whatever. Um, all call us to patient endurance. Phenomenal. And again, Jesus commends it more than any other thing to these weak in the empire. Now, I've been digging into a crazy book. It's by Alan Kreider. He's a Harvard PhD professor of church history and mission. His brilliant book is called, you guessed it, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. Just the title alone should draw you in. The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. He describes four factors that contributed to the mysterious growth of the early church in the midst of the Roman Empire. It never should have happened. You should not be here. There's no reason with all the pressure that they faced that the kingdom of God should have ever multiplied. Key among the themes that he draws out is patience. Now, here's an awesome quote. Ready? Here's Alan Kreider. Patience was not too dear to most Greco-Roman people. It has been of little interest to modern scholars of early Christianity. But it was centrally important to the early Christians. They talked about patience and wrote about patience. It was the first virtue about which they wrote a treatise, and they wrote no fewer than three treatises on it. Christian writers called patience the highest virtue, the greatest of all virtues, the virtue that was peculiarly Christian. The Christians believe that God is patient and that Jesus visibly embodied patience. And they concluded this, that trusting in God should be patient. We don't control events. We're not anxious or in a hurry. And we never use force to achieve our ends. As we ponder patience, and that's what I'm inviting you to do, we will come closer to understanding the resilience lifestyle of the early Christians that led to the explosive growth of God's church in a Roman empire. It's phenomenal. Why? The more pressure came, the more they trusted God, the more it revealed the king. It was incredible. And we mentioned Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of patient endurance. Jesus patiently endured history until the fullness of time when he would come. Do you know how many times Jesus wanted to jump out of heaven and save damaged, image-bearing people that he loved? No, he patiently endured until the fullness of time. He patiently endured 30 years of ordinary blue planet because it is good. He three years with a bunch of knuckleheads called his disciples and their complete immaturity and wobbling faith and he was deliberate in his discipleship but never in a hurry he patiently endured rejection they tried to kill him over and over and over from his first message in his hometown synagogue all the way through and he patiently endured suffering and torture this is our king he is patient in his endurance. Hebrews 12, like the Magna Carta on patient endurance, which we'll come back to at the very end, if we make it by the grace of God, says this, for the joy set before Jesus. You are his joy to patiently, if you ever question your worth, he would not be without you. He is the enfleshed, passion of God's desire, and he would not live without you. He would patiently endure to have He endured the cross. He scorned the shame. He sat down at the right hand of God so that he could patiently endure 2,000 years of the church and all of its blemishes. Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, patiently enduring. We set our hearts to be the fourth soil, to be like Jesus. 
We want to patiently endure in the patient endurance of Christ. But what does it require? Three main things amongst many. Three things that I want to bring up. What does it look like to patiently endure? What does it require? It requires Jesus's perspective. That is a new kingdom perspective on life. It's called hope. It endurance and the pressure of history. We need the church. This is awesome. These are the three things. Now, there are 49 verses I could choose from. This is like a crucible. I'm going to choose three to look at, okay? I hate it. I wish we had hours. That's what home church is. We have to dive into this. Let our discipleship go deeper. Let us soak ourselves into the word of God. How will we remain if we don't? Okay, but I have, I've narrowed it down. Oh, God help me. Okay, here we go. Romans 5, 3 through 5. This is just simply magnificent. Remember, it's the Apostle Paul who's like, stoned, left out to sea, killed a couple times. Like, he's not talking out of a theory or a vacuum. He is speaking to these little believers in the Roman Empire, and here's what he has to say to them. This is insane. He goes, not everything, you have peace and righteousness and all this stuff. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoy ourselves in suffering. Got to admit, I'm not there yet. Knowing that, listen, this is, this is what it starts the perspective. Knowing that suffering produces patient endurance. That's how you get there. Patient endurance produces proven character. And proven gives birth. And hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because God's spirit's been poured, his very love. What is this scripture saying? It is proclaiming hope. That whatever I'm this chapter is not the end of the story. That's what hope sounds like. Hope sounds like what I am going through is going somewhere. Hope sounds like my faithfulness to Jesus. Hope sounds like the pressure and the pressing and all this stuff that sucks and hurts so bad is not pointless. Through years of walking with my wife through chronic pain, I have started to say this thing over and over. This is not pointless. This is not hopeless. This is birthing the glory of God. It is like a stake in the ground that I have to say, and then I worship the Lord, and I say, this that I am seeing is not the end of the story. I'm waiting on someone. It may break in now, or it may break in then, but I will not lose my heart here. This is not pointless. This is not hopeless. It is birthing something. It is powerful. It is a stake in the ground. Maybe you're not rejoicing yet. I don't blame you. This is real stuff. Stuff that we looked at this candle and we remembered loss. This is real pain. Pressure is real, okay? But I wonder if you can, even if you're not rejoicing yet, open your heart to the perspective of hope. I want to look at the next scripture, James 1, 3 through 4. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends. Who would say 2020 and 2021 have just been a sheer gift? This is a sheer gift. Thank you. But this is the key. And my spiritual director keeps asking me, Adam, can you find the gift? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, 
your faith life is forced into the open. It shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. That's how Eugene Peterson translates patient endurance. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't hit the eject button. Don't get yourself out. Don't save yourself. Stay in the place that is what? This is what it's doing. Let it do its work so you become mature. If there's anything we have not seen in the church in the last two years that all the pressure has revealed, the church is not mature, which is measured in love. Maturity is not cheap. At the end of testing, when trust is tested and love goes through the fire and it's ride or die, it is forging you and making you. And here's what I want to say about this scripture. The goal of patient endurance is not getting a big breakthrough, great American story of fame and fortune. The end of patient endurance is not this grand God still do miracles. Oh, yes, and I want more. I want him to heal and deliver from torment and forgive and free. I'm always saying more of the kingdom now than not yet. Let it break in. Let it break in. But listen to me. The patient endurance is not earning us a big breakthrough story. It's forging in us maturity. We are becoming people who can live anywhere under any circumstances. And no matter what happens, we reveal the king. This is Jesus. That's what it's doing. It's not looking for the resurrection story. It's resurrected man inside of your weak jar of clay. It's powerful. It's what God aims at. God has a mission. It's your maturity. That's what he wants. My friend, Heather Lopresto, I wish she was here. She says it like this. She's one of our worship leaders. Patient suffering doesn't earn us a big story. It makes us a safe people for those who are suffering. That is wisdom. Just because I go through something hard doesn't mean God owes me a great story at the end. But I tell you, it will lead to great glory in him. How I go through it. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 70. I told you this is going to kill me, these three scriptures. I'm, I'm already off my time. Lord, help. Pray for me. Patient endurance. All right, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose your heart. I've heard God say this over and over over the last four years. Adam, don't lose your heart now. Don't lose your hope, son. Don't lose heart. Though you're outwardly wasting away, now listen to the renewal of the kingdom. Inwardly, you're being renewed day by day by day by the goodness of God. It's so beautiful. For our light and momentary troubles, remember, Paul's calling some serious stuff he went through, light and momentary. He's not diminishing your pain. He's putting it into perspective. The perspective is hope. He says this, it's achieving for you an eternal glory that outweighs everything you can go through. We're talking about eternal perspective. It's not pointless. It's not meaningless. This patient endurance is producing in you the glory of God. And it's putting Jesus on display. The gospel is we can't find our life unless we lose it. There's only blessing in the breaking. There's only Jesus' strength in your weakness. And you cannot get the kingdom without a cross. That's the gospel. There's no shortcut. There's no way around. He wants to put himself on display. For the Christian, this new perspective of hope has nothing to do with optimism or wishful thinking. It is what our entire faith is based upon. That Jesus suffered and died. It looked like evil was winning. 
It looked like the end of the story. Death claims another, and then from the inside of death, he explodes it all with resurrection life. And then he ascends to a throne, and our perspective is, we don't know the future, but we know the one who holds the future. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. No power in hell can thwart his plan or purpose, and he's not frustrated or shaken by human sin or rebellion or anything Satan can do. He is hope, anchored at the right hand of God, and your soul is anchored to him there. This is our patient endurance. This is our new perspective. Now, you may not be facing persecution in the Roman Empire, but the pressures that you're going through are very real. As a pastoral team, we've walked through so many things, and the things I'm about to say are, are real things that have happened, but I haven't included the names, but there's so much in it. What does patient endurance, real pressure look like for you guys? Life is so full and busy, it is overwhelming my soul. I'm staying faithful to the Father in a season of singleness, but I long to be married, and I'm just not sure that anybody's there. I mean, this is, this is patient endurance. I'm unsatisfied and unmotivated at work. I just do not want to go. And I wake up, and I go again. We long for children. but we're unable to have them. This is real here. This is pressure. We can't get our baby to sleep. Man, that one drove me crazy. Six years. It's a serious trial. Another whole day of unseen, uncelebrated daily work taking care of my children. It's just a patient endurance. There's too much change. My plans keep getting canceled. I want to kill COVID-19. It's real. Pressure. I'm unemployed. I don't have the money to make it. Man, I have a friend that's drifted away or hurt me deeply in this last season. It's pressure. It's real. I feel disoriented and sad, and it gnaws at me constantly. My boss is impossible to work for, but I'm stuck. I feel anxious often, and I don't know what to do. Anxiety is so real. The pressure on a soul. I love my kid, but their attitude and choices are deeply frustrating me. We're in a rut in our marriage, and we cannot get out of this pattern. I want God, but other things distract me so easily. This is real pressure. It requires Jesus' hopeful perspective that this isn't pointless. It's producing the very glory of God. I just want to take just 30 seconds, and I want to sit. Maybe none of those examples find you. I've got two more things we're going to go on to. But I want to sit and just ask the Lord, where is God growing patient endurance in my life? Can we just sit quiet for a second? Holy Spirit, where, is, where are you growing patient endurance in each life? We bring these real things before you, even as we listen to the rest of this talk. Real pressure that is taxing our soul, real suffering and affliction. And we bring it before you, shepherd. I've said we can have a new perspective on hope. We can giving your heart to me over and over and over. I am with you in this here now. Can we say that together? In this, here, now. God is with us here, now, in this place. This means that we keep coming before Jesus, even if he feels a million miles away. We keep listening to him and presenting our heart before him. And we know that the presence of Jesus is here. I can hear him saying to me over and over, 
Adam, you're my beloved son. I love you in the middle of this here now. What is your this here now? Jesus is not far away from your patient endurance. He is in your this here now. We keep making our home in God and the spirit is making his home. It's this weak, unrelenting yes to God day after day after day. And the key to persevering is hidden in that word, hupomeno. The second part is meno. That Greek word is the word Jesus used for abide in John 15. To be at home. What is the key to patiently enduring? Let nothing move you out of being at home with God. To abide and keep abiding in the presence of the only one who knows the suffering you're going through, who is with you in this here now, who loves you in this here now. Now, let me be clear. Patient endurance is not being tough. It is not self-strength. It is not gutting it out. And it is not forgetting to acknowledge your real losses and your real griefs. None of that has anything to do with the patient endurance of Jesus. This scripture shows the patient endurance of Jesus. It's in Corinthians, and I want to read it to us. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in Asia. We were under, listen, great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Are you in a situation far beyond your ability to endure? So he says, we even wanted to kill ourselves. That's crazy. That's a lot of pressure. Paul knows. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now listen to the reason. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Patient endurance is not self-strength. It's resilient reliance on God over and over and over. Who is this coming out of the wilderness leaning on their beloved? Who's coming out of the fire with weakness showing forth the strength of God on display? Who has gone to the cross and is somehow manifesting the love of the king? This is patient endurance according to Jesus, and it requires Jesus's presence. Patient endurance. The pressure strips away every other secure home that you've built for yourself and thought it was safe. And it leaves you at home with God, abiding. Hupa meno, keep abiding. Keep abiding in Jesus. That's what it means to patiently endure. Just don't let anything take you out of home. It's beautiful. We can have a hope-filled perspective. We can have Jesus' presence, but the scripture over and over says we will not make without Jesus' people, his body. Now, I said I'd get back here, and by the grace of God, it happened. How are we doing? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, like the Magna Carta on patient endurance. This is incredible. The writer, the woman writing to the Hebrews, there you go, um, is exhorting people under great pressure. And, and after stating the great cloud of witnesses of faith, breaks into this, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Doesn't that sound like the sin of the second soil, the, the thorns and all that's suffocating me in the third soil? Throw it off. And then I want you to run this ultra marathon of patient endurance, the race marked out for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the of your faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He scorned the shame. He set. Don't sprint. We've heard the call in Revelation. And now the writer of Hebrews is saying, here's the perspective and here's the presence. Jesus, fix your eyes on him. That's your hope-filled perspective. That's the one who will walk with you and feel your pain as you go through it. But 
the writer of the Hebrews will not let us off the hook. He says, I don't want you to be alone in the patient endurance. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by witnesses of the patient endurance. In fact, one of the best synonyms for the church in the last 2,000 years is a patient endurance. That's who we are. That's who we are. Back to those little home churches in the Roman Empire. Ready? Jesus did not commend individuals, though I am so thankful for every individual. He came and commended what? Churches for patiently enduring together. There is no way to patiently endure without the people of God caring for you, strengthening you, weeping with you, loving you, challenging you, supporting you. The story of the early church puts on display that we only endure together. Amen? There is no Lone Ranger Christians that make it to the end with love burning in their heart. There aren't in existence because it is not because God is a family and God is not alone. Lord, listen to this. The church is a colony of heaven a beachhead, an outpost, an island of one culture in the middle of another, a place where the values of home are reiterated and passed on to the young, a place where the distinctive language and lifestyle of the resident aliens are lovingly nurtured and reinforced. Now listen to this part. Christians can survive only by supporting one another through the countless small acts through which we tell one another we are not alone and God is with us. Life was hard and they lived it together. Their clinging to Jesus was a clinging to one another. Their clinging to one another was a clinging to Jesus. Hebrews 10 says that they stood side by side and joyfully received people stealing their property, sending them to jail. But it says at the very end of Hebrews 10, it says this incredible thing. You need to patiently endure so when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. This great crowd of witnesses down through history cheers us on. God carried us through. He will carry you through, and he will carry you through together. Can you hear the early church saying, endure together? Now, there are so many witnesses in history. Examples we have of patient endurance in all of history, certainly American history, are the faithful believers who endured unimaginable tribulation and suffering over 250 years of chattel slavery. Generations that saw no way to be free and kept trusting and kept waiting and kept loving God day after day after day. Their songs and their faith rise out of bloody wounds and scars down through generations. And their story says, if we can make it with God, you can make it with God. I know no greater example of patient endurance. And one song rising out, if we will listen, speaks to us a song that is absolutely beautiful. And I've invited my friend Rick Bowden out of his heritage and history to come read it for us. Now, I want to enter into the spirit of 250 years of real people that endured in the darkest of dark with no hope or future in sight. Would you come and read this for us, please? This is my dear friend. We co-lead a home church together, which is awesome. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun, 
of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in the days when hope unborn. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out from the gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Stray from the places our God, where he met us. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, beneath thy hand, we forever, true to our God, true to our native land. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, there's a song which rises out of your patient endurance, a song so beautiful to the heart of God, a song that moves his heart, a song that can come out of no other place. And these, the great cloud of witnesses, surround us and cheer us. But they're not. This great cloud of witnesses is all around us in this room. Luis and Michelle Rivera, who are not here with us, who a year ago lost their three-year-old. I've watched them as they have loved the Lord and patiently endured. Their home church took for them to send them to Georgia this weekend, which is how we make it, right? And Michelle wrote these words, we got the card and cash from you all. I don't have words, just tears. We simply wouldn't be standing if it weren't for all of you and the rest of the Nava family. Thank you. Through even the loss of a child, courage and trusting, you have mothered your children so well. You've provided through hard work and a nurturing heart, and you've stepped out to lead a home church didn't feel like you had enough. And now yours is the kingdom, Lizzie Leach. Emily Snyder, you are so brave. You lost everything. Your dreams got flipped upside down. But you're still worshiping the Lord, and you came to LTS, and you declared he's good, even though all my dreams seem wiped away. I want to say you've trusted and loved him and patiently endured. Yours is the kingdom. You're a witness teaching us to patiently endure. We love you. Heather and Matt Lopresto, I hope you're watching at home. Heather, you've patiently endured challenge after challenge that none of us will ever understand with your beautiful children. And you've worshipped every single step of the way. And Matt, you've gone to work at a job you do not like over and over. And we've heard about it, but we've also provide for your family. And Heather, you've given everything you have to love. And yours, Leprestos, are the kingdom of God. You've patiently endured. Jana, you've lost your own family. And you've not stopped making a home church a family for other people. Your patient endurance is bringing love and multiplying 
multiplication of the kingdom to many. And we just want to say, we see the king in you. Yours is the kingdom and the patient endurance. Thank you for loving out of your own lack. You are beautiful. Rick and Shearston, you just came up, and no one knows you here, but you moved here, and nothing you moved here for happened, and people didn't treat you very well, but you took a risk to come into a totally new church and hope again, and patiently endure, because you still believe the church is God's bride, even when it's hurt you, and I want to say you're going to see the kingdom multiply and mature. Yours is the kingdom, beautiful Bowdens. I love you. Jean and Kathy, you're not here, but you lost your own children. And yet, out of your bankruptcy, have opened up a grief group for others. You've patiently endured, and you will see the kingdom. And so, because in your grief, you have sacrificially given of yourself. Yours is the kingdom. Tim, you have loved so many people hurting day after day after day, and only the angels know what happens in that office. You have patiently endured when it didn't feel good, decade after decade, and you have loved God's people, and yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. I commend you. Ryan Bennett you have patiently endured, and your wife even more than you. Through the season of laying down your career because you believe that his lordship over your occupation, his your life was more, and God says yours is the kingdom. You're going to see the multiplication of the kingdom. You're being made into his image. Risa, well done. You were to be with your babies, your kingdom, you patiently endured. Tim and Laura, you both lost your spouse. I believe God could lead you to love again, and out of that place of patient endurance, Laura, year after year, and tear after tear, and waiting, and trust, and hope, and now you're opening space for all of us to be refreshed in our marriages. Out of your loss of the ones you loved and lived with and raised your children, yours is the kingdom and the patient endurance. Where is my beauty? Every day you hurt and every day you love your children and you love me and you love this church. You're an amazing, an amazing pastor. And yours is the kingdom of God. And this is not pointless. And this is not hopeless. It is birthing the glory of God. I respect you. And Navi, you've patiently endured three years of following a freaking cloud. Give me your building. Give me everything. And you've patiently endured. You've endured together, not alone. It's foolishness. But I want to say, Nava, watch the hand of God. Because yours is the kingdom. Your patient endurance is character and character hope. And this hope will not God is writing his story for his own worship and glory. Home churches, you patiently endured a bunch of insanity, political craziness, racial pain, a conversation we weren't even endured, but we did with love. You watched people walk away from your lives, your churches, your relationships, and you persevered. You patiently endured. And I want to say, little home churches of Nava, watch the hand of the Father. For yours is the kingdom of God. It may look weak and don't all great things in the kingdom. There is no kingdom without a cross. We are becoming the word called patient endurance. We're becoming the fourth soil Jesus wants to bring his seed into. And it doesn't look like much because it's but and it's all because all our patient endurance, our love and our trust through it all to the end. 
just is given back to the worthy Lamb of God. All of it is his reward. He will have a bride that loves him and patiently endures in love till the end. And that is you. That is me. That is who we are. I want to just take a moment and just close our eyes. And I want you to hear the Lord. If I didn't call your story, the Father would walk around and say, I know your works, your trust, and your love. I know where you've patiently endured. And as we close our eyes, I just want you to hear your Papa say, I love you. I see you. Well done. Keep going. Say it to you. I love you. I've seen you every day, every tear, every moment. I'm with you. Well done. Done. Can we stand? And I want to bless you with one of my favorite apostolic prayers. Let's stand and hold hands. We're going to play the Lord's Prayer, as we always do, the Kingdom Family Prayer. And we're going to hold hands in this place. But before we do, I want to give you a benediction, a blessing. And I pray this is charged by the power of the Holy Spirit, that it fills your chest, that it overwhelms every cell in your body, and that it follows you all of your days. I'm going to pray it three times. May the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and the patient endurance of Christ. May the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and the patient and patiently endure together, suffering whatever may come to reveal the kingdom that is unshakable.